What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to OK Shred. I'm your host, Matthias Carlson, and I got lots of stuff for you today, so stay tuned for this episode. All right, everybody. Uh, hello, welcome here to OK Shred. Uh, I, I know it has been a very, very long time since I have uploaded an episode. Uh, that was just because I was on Christmas break. I was taking just a break from everything, just to unwind, to spend time with family, and um, also shred. I shredded a little bit. I, I went skiing a f- quite a few times. I actually, I paid off my season's pass during my time of Christmas break. Now, because of new COVID uh, restrictions and rules and stuff here in BC, I actually have another week off of school, which I'm going to spend shredding, hopefully. I hope to be going out um, you know, you know, the day after recording this, but who knows anyway, um, I, I have, I have quite a bit to talk about today, so I, I hope this is going to be an exciting episode. I will have an episode with a guest, hopefully sometime soon. I'm just trying to organize all this. Plus the audio setup I have going on right now, it is kind of hard to have another person on the podcast, but uh, I'm going to try to work it out. So obviously, our main topic today is skiing safety tips, and I'll I'll tell you guys why this topic came to mind a little bit later. Um, but first, I I already did make a first impressions episode and a little bit more on the K2 Reckoner 112s, but I've skied on them a lot more recently. And I have a little bit more of a more solid review on them. And they are an amazing ski. Just truly, I'm blown away. Initially, I said they ski a lot like my poachers, which I was still happy with. But these skis actually switch direction much, much faster than my poachers. These are far more of a playable. They like these skis like to play around a lot more than the poachers. I noticed I because of the hill I'm at now, which is big white. They act there is a lot more tree skiing there than my old hill, and so I've been skiing in the trees a lot. And initially, I was kind of slow in the trees because I'm not used to having to be switching directions, dodging everything, because also my old hill didn't have much moguls either. And skiing in moguls in the trees is kind of similar, except there's a little bit of a higher risk skiing in the trees. And so, and so we're going to talk about some safety tips of skiing in the trees in this episode as well. But I've figured out with the ski how to be able to switch directions, but st- like still be go very fast but also slow myself down enough to not be going so fast I like fly out of control these skis have made me a better skier like just insane like I I feel myself I feel I have progressed so far just from skiing on these skis about five times which is amazing these the K2 Reckoner 112s are an amazing ski. I'm so happy I bought them because the me being able to switch directions to go around objects, I I was able to do that obviously a little bit before, but not as fast as on these skis. 
my speed has picked up a dramatic amount, like an insane amount. I am able to fly down so much more stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do before. I am enjoying them so much. You see uh, lots of people when they're skiing. If you watch any skiing videos, especially in the moguls, the Olympics. Now, that's a little bit extreme. I'm nowhere near that level yet. But, uh, you know, they're able just to move their feet around these moguls, but still kind of go in a straight line. And I'm starting to be able to do that a lot faster now with these skis, which is why I'm so incredibly happy I have these skis. They are definitely amazing. And also the base of the ski, the bottom of the ski is made out of a very strong material. I don't exactly quite know what. But, I mean, it is rock solid, that stuff. <laughs> Speaking of rock. So, my big white is, it does get very good snow. However, it needs a lot of snow. We're sitting at around 150 centimeters uh, base right now, which is pretty good. But lots more of the hill lightens up at around 200 centimeters. Yeah, so their base right now is 144 centimeters. Oh wow, it's, it's 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 nice and warm today. It's only minus eight. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, these skis. I'm very very pleased with these skis, and yeah. So the base, the base, um, because you know we still need a little bit more snow at Big White. There are some rocks poking out, and one of my friends, he skied across this area, so I was just going to go up and stop a little bit below him. Well, right below him was a huge, skinny rock, and I skied up, and as I was stopping, I, like, grinded um, all the way down as if I was doing a rail, and I was like, oh, no. And honestly, that feeling, if if you're an avid skier, that feeling will make you cringe. It's horrible. And so I immediately took off my ski to check the damage, and there was barely anything the only thing i could see was this black kind of streak going down the ski <laughs> all right guys so i actually i just reassessed the damage i picked up my skis because they're right beside me here and yeah that black streak because i when i assessed it i had my gloves on so i couldn't tell if there was actually a groove there so i just took a little bit of my fingernail you know it's slightly protruding and just uh, brushed it over that streak to see if there's a groove there for my fingernail to catch on which there was not so then i began to check around the ski and the only part that was damaged was only actually on one of the skis and that was uh, one of the edges was very significantly uh gra like grinded it, it's pretty bad it is a little bit unnerving but it's not horrible but the main point is the bottoms of the skis are fine, which is amazing. Very, very strong ski. So yeah, that's uh, that section of equipment now. I'm going to move on to uh, my goggles. I recently got new goggles. I'm not sure if I talked about it in the last episode or not. Um, it's <coughs> it has been a while. Um, but yeah, so I've I was looking for a new pair of goggles to get. I wanted to see if people had any suggestions. I think I might have mentioned that on my TikTok. Um, I'll I'll put the at down in the description of this episode. Um, but I ended up going with the Oakley Line Miner XLs with the Prism Rose lens. Now, as much as the goggle matters, 
um, you know, when you look at a look at a goggle and everything that it entails, the lens matters. Probably it's kind of like a 60 40 kind of thing. The lens makes up 60% of the goggle and the other 40% is the frame and everything. So I'm just going to give a little, uh, you know, review on that lens and the goggle really quick before we get into the rest of our episode here today. So the we're going to start off with the frame. It's a very comfortable frame. It is a very large frame too. Um, it's a lot larger than my old goggles, and I just had the you know twenty nine dollar Costco special before, which actually they they served me well for what they did. But I'm glad to be rid of them. That is for sure. Um, yeah, the frame is very comfortable. Now the one thing with the frame is on the nose there is a little gap before there's like the frame for the lens and then the like the main frame of the goggle and a little bit of air gets through which is nice for ventilation but when it was colder i was skiing the other day and it was like minus 16 18 degrees celsius and it was it was very cold on, on my nose however i started to get moving around and that went away and you can you kind of start to ignore it but that is something to know i if if it was around minus 30 ish that would i would say that would be a slight problem you might have to put your mask up all the way over your nose now some people do that anyway and if you do that already it's probably not going to be that much of a problem but i like to leave my nose poking out over my mask just so i can get you know just so i can breathe a little bit better and also sometimes the hot air from me breathing out it uh, pushes it into my goggles and then they fog up so that's why i just keep my mask below my nose but that is the thing with these goggles they do not fog up when you're moving when you're still and you're kind of warm after you've been skiing hard, they do fog up pretty quickly. But the second you start moving, they go out like they just go. It goes away and they go nice and clear. Now, there was a section where I was really warm. So they fogged up as I was being still and then it froze on the inside. However, I warmed. I like kept getting warmer and I, just, I warmed up and it then melted that thin layer of frozen whatever. And then as I started to move again, that the ventilation of this goggle, um, it just took took it away and they were back to being crystal clear again, which is amazing. Uh, I've never had goggles that actually like ventilate that well. Bef- my old goggles, the Costco special, they didn't fog up, but they were a very hot goggle. But these goggles, they're, they just keep your face warm. They're not hot. And then, but when they do fog up, it just, it goes away instantly. I crashed in a little bit of powder. And if you ski, you know, when you crash in powder and you're trying to get yourself out, you get very hot. So my goggles, they, they were fogged right up to the max. And then I just started moving about 30-ish feet later. Boom, perfect. Clear as day again. And it's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty much all I can say about the frames. Just great ventilation, very comfortable very large frame so you do have a great field of view which is amazing but to the rose prism or the prism rose lens there we go oakley they have some of their higher end lenses are called prism and they do have lower and higher end um, prism lenses as well so these goggles they uh, ran me about 150 bucks canadian 
So I no clue what that could be in American. So if you're an American or in any other country, I'm sorry. But yeah, but around $150 Canadian, uh, which is which is a pretty fair price. It it does it is getting up there, especially because I got my ski boots on sale, and ski boots are far more important than goggles but i got my boots on sale for like 75 dollars. it was amazing we had a coupon as well as that in-store sale and we saved lots of money on those boots but that anyway that's not important so yeah the price of the goggles is getting up there but if we were to put on a different lens onto that goggle it would have gone up to 200 dollars. if i put on the coolest looking lens that i could have got that i kind of wanted it would be around 250 dollars and that is the thing with this lens. You, It's definitely not the coolest looking lens, but because of how versatile it is, I'm absolutely okay with that. And I'll explain what that means. So Oakley rates this goggle for sun and cloud to light fog or light to medium thickness fog, which is absolutely fine. Um, that is the thing. Big white, people call it big white out because it gets so much fog and it is very hard to see. More often than not, it's a overcast day that is foggy and very flat light, so you can't really see uh, details in the snow. However, the contrast of these goggles is amazing. I'm You're able to see um, the details in the snow on those flat light days. The fog, it it can take, you know, pretty thick fog. I would even go, go as far as to say fog that is very heavy and make it seem like it's light and it's so far ahead of you it improves your visibility amazingly but then you might be thinking ah what about on a bluebird day like will i get eye fatigue you know will it really hurt my eyes to ski this goggle because lots of people they can't afford to get a goggle myself included can't afford to get a goggle that is 300 dollars that has you know the magnet switching lenses and there are are alternatives to you know goggles that have interchangeable lenses but it's really hard uh, smith makes a pair of goggles that are super popular they're around 150 bucks as well and they you're able to switch out your lenses and it comes with an extra lens it comes with a highlight and a low light lens and no in between which is kind of the problem because a highlight lens is actually only good in high light whereas a low light lens you could kind of get away with in between but the low light lens they have with the Smiths that I saw when I was looking at goggles, and this is not hating me hating on Smiths. I'm just not a fan of it, or I'm not. It was. It's not that I'm not a fan. It's. It wasn't providing what I was looking for, which is why I went with the Oakleys. And by the way, I'm not sponsored at all. <laughs> I'm not praising these. I'm. I'm saying my true and pure opinions on the skis and on the goggles. But yeah, that, this lens, I, I did get to ski a couple of bluebird days, and it was actually amazing. My eyes did not get fatigued at all. Obviously, you can't stare right into the sun, although I don't recommend you do that with any other lens anyway. <laughs> but the one part it did have trouble with is if you were skiing on a run and half of it was in the sh shade, half of it was in the sun, you did have trouble seeing either. It did something really weird with the contrast and the lighting, but you're usually not in half and half you're either in the shade or in the sun so that was not much of an issue for me in the sun i could see all the details in the snow my eyes weren't getting strained the glare was cut down enough so that i i wasn't being like blinded 
and then in the shade, I the contrast is so amazing. I could see could see everything, which was uh, really really nice. And yeah, it's a super versatile goggle. It is definitely rated for past what Oakley says, but obviously they do have to cater to people who are going backcountry skiing and heli skiing and all of that as well. And you would definitely for for that type of skiing, and we're going to get into it, the safety of all this, you definitely want equipment meant for where you are because, you know, a mistake in your, you know, in what you're seeing, it could cost you your life, but hopefully you only get injured if you have the wrong equipment, but hopefully you don't get injured or hurt at all. Hopefully you stay safe the whole day long. So anyway, the Oakley Line Miner XLs, Yep, the Oakley Line Miner XLs, great frame. Uh, I love it. It can get kind of cold if it's like minus 30 Celsius, but usually that's just too cold to ski in anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And then the Pri Prism Rose lens is an amazing lens, incredibly versatile lens, and I, I definitely would recommend that lens. I would put it on all my goggles and I'd be able to use it for most days because I've replaced like a different lens is around like 120 bucks, like for a, a nice one. So, you know, obviously you don't want to be buying tons and tons of goggles or tons and tons of lenses to do everything, which also is interesting. Like a lens is 120 bucks. If I just go and spend an extra $30, I could just put the lens I want on extra goggles and I could just carry the goggles around instead of the lens. But anyway, that's, that's not what we're talking about. So, safety. Safety while skiing. Um, these tips, you know, they, they do come from some, some stuff I've researched as well. Also stuff I've picked up on over my years of skiing. And these are just some general tips. These mainly for big resort skiers. Because at, when you get to the, some of these big resorts just to mention a few in BC, like Whistler, like Sun Peaks, like Big White, uh, like Kicking Horse. I'm not sure if Lake Louise, I think Lake Louise is in Alberta, but still, resorts like that, it actually can get pretty gnarly. And so, you know, it's, you're not just kicking around at some tiny rinky-dink hill with one lift. You know, you it can actually get dangerous. And the reason why um, this, I, I, this idea was brought to heart of making safety tips and just general know-how, I guess, for skiing and, and snowboarding too is because someone at my ski hill died and my uh, thoughts and prayers go out to their family. I'm not going to talk about that at all because I believe it's too soon for that, but I this kind of made me realize this is still a dangerous sport and I'm fortunate enough um, to not have been too badly hurt over my years of skiing. And however, in that situation, the most I know of it right now, there could have been some preventative measures taken to hopefully it could have ended in a different situation. But anyway, uh, the first most basic tip, this is just for skiing runs and, you know, just regular, I'd say green and bluish runs because green runs 
actually, to me, I've noticed they are the scariest things ever. Because there's a lot of beginners skiing on green runs, and they don't really stick to one line. They will go all across the run, which is absolutely fine. I'm okay with that. Um, but I often get cut off by not even kids. Like there's some adults learning how to ski who just have no clue. And you would think that they drive, that they would kind of be able to see that cutting across uh, a run would be a bad idea. But anyway, if you're skiing, if you're a decent skier skiing down a green run, one thing to watch out for is uh, don't go, you know, Mach 40. Go, uh, you know, go faster, obviously, than all these people. But don't go too fast. That way you have plenty of time to react to someone swerving out. Also, make sure you're scanning the hill. Look at all these people. And if you want to, you know, pass someone, like slow down a little bit. Watch how they ski for a, a little bit, even though they do make kind of rash and sharp decisions. Um, watch how they ski. Look at their pattern. And then you can make the pass safely. Now, if you're... a beginner to skiing, which is absolutely fine. Uh, when you're about to cut across the whole run, look up a little bit, you know, kind of just shoulder check that that way. You can see if someone's coming and if they're going a little bit faster, then maybe don't cut across the whole run, end your turn a little shorter and go across. Looking out, um, looking out, looking at the traffic, looking at the skiers and the snowboarders, everyone on the hill. Now people are bringing those uh, mountain bikes with skis on them. Those are dangerous. I do not like those. Anyway, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, you know, looking out at all the traffic, being smart, not going too fast and giving yourself enough time and room to react accordingly to someone skiing the way they're skiing will help you guys hopefully avoid a collision and also you having to you know sharply turn turn to avoid them and then catching an edge and falling all that so when you're on a green slash bluish run although blues are a lot better than greens for having slightly more skilled people on them and people who ski slightly more normally <laughs> um when you're skiing on on these runs just be aware of your situation um and now speaking of runs, if you're if say if you're going up with a friend who's also a beginner, uh, choose runs that are adequate to your skill. Most people know how they rate trails, but if not, Green Circle that is uh, you know beginner that's the easiest. I call them greens. Uh, that that's the easiest. They're generally very wide, not that steep, not that fast, and they can be kind of fun. I still rip around on greens from time to time. Then they have blue square. I call them blues. Uh, they are a little bit steeper. They're usually still groomed. Blues and greens are often groomed. Some blues, you know, they leave them a little bit un ungroomed to let some of that soft snow and, you know, the coarse snow kick around a bit which actually does make them fun sometimes i find blue runs to be a lot more fun than some black runs which brings me to the next difficulty is black diamond uh, i call them blacks so also if you ever hear me say oh a black a black a black i'm not referring to a person or race i'm talking about the ski hill so when i say black or blacks all right don't freak out <laughs> i had someone reach out to me 
questioning, very respectful, mind you, but they were questioning uh, what I meant when I said blacks. But it's okay. So after black diamond, they have double black diamond. Um, oh, I actually forgot to mention with the single black diamonds. Some of them are groomed, but they are very steep. Most of them aren't, and most of them have moguls. Then there is double black diamonds. They are very steep, and they definitely have moguls. I have not come across a double black diamond very often that does not have moguls. I have come across some that are just super steep shoots that are groomed, and they're meant for racing. But anyway, these runs, they're very hard. Sometimes it depends. I don't really find them fun. I find them more um, just like a challenge, something to get down. I usually do not ski double blacks all day long. However, at Big White, they have a little section called the cliff. It's technically rated a double black. I find it pretty easy. And I, when it has good snow, I could ski it all day. But anyway, so... Go on a run that you know you can do. Of course, if you want to challenge yourself, don't push yourself too far. Some uh, runs are a little harder than uh, others, even though they could both be rated blue or black or double black. Usually, although usually all double blacks are equally as hard, but some have like larger moguls than others, which makes it easier. So if it's your first day on the hill, uh, maybe don't do a black, maybe don't even do a blue. Stick to greens till you get your bearings. Now, the second safety tip involves what you wear. Take a look at the weather before you go skiing. Oh, I guess that was the third safety tip. Anyway, take a look at the weather before you go skiing or snowboarding, all right? If you see it's going to be minus 18, but you come just wearing some light shell, um, snow pants and jacket and you know just some rinky dink old gloves you're going to be cold and if you stick it out all day long you could actually damage your body so take a look at the weather and dress appropriately often what gets cold will be your toes your fingers and your face if and your face gets especially cold because you're moving and the wind is always hitting your face if you do see it's going to be cold, make sure you bring a decent face mask that is, you know, f uh, thick enough to keep your face warm as well as, you know, breathable enough that you don't get lightheaded and pass out. I have seen that before is people wear multiple masks and they're not getting enough oxygen to their head and they pass out. And as well with your mitts or gloves, wear gloves and mitts that are thick enough that do keep you warm and that are waterproof in fact i mean all your stuff except for your face mask it's a little hard but your jacket your snow pants and your gloves should be waterproof because when you're wet then it gets cold then it gets really cold but also you don't want to dress too warm because then you start to sweat then you'll get a little cold and then you'll be freezing so check the weather and dress adequately now, that pretty much covers, I could talk about park etiquette. Yeah, I mean, I don't ski in the park all the time, so I don't really know it. But some general rules if you do go in the park. Uh, don't be skiing all the way across You know the park. Don't go from right to left to keep yourself going slow. 
And you're, you might say, well, I'm a beginner. You know, I need to do that. Don't go in the park if you need to do that. Ski a decently straight line. Not, of course, not going super fast, but <clears throat> just make sure you go a decent speed. Um, you'll be able to see kind of people in the area where you're skiing in the park and you should match their speed or if you're not comfortable, go a little bit slower. Um, when it comes to jumps, do not chill out on the landings. Do not sit there. Do not stand there. Even if it's on the side of the landing, it's still the landing. Don't do it. Go past the landing and go way off to the side where everyone can see you. That way, if someone's going to come off a jump and do a trick, they're not going to land on you and hurt both of you. Also with the jumps, don't don't be skiing beside one and then all of a sudden decide, hey, I want to ski on the other side of that and go across it because someone could be going to hit it and you just cut them off. Now, if they're going too fast to slow to slow down, you know, because say you're cutting across a big jump or they need lots of speed for their trick, they might just take you out and then go off the jump and hurt themselves as well. And also in the park, uh, they usually have depictions of features. Don't hit anything that you know you won't be able to do, especially with rails, jumping. Um, you know they have lips for people to jump up onto the rails. Don't uh, use the side of that to go out into the middle of the kind of the path. Usually parks, they'll have kind of lanes. They'll have an open lane and then features and then an open lane features and they'll have features on each side and then two open lanes. Usually there's three lanes of features and then two open lanes. That's usually how parks work. You don't want to be going from a rail, doing a side hit and jumping into a lane because then you could hit someone. It also damages the lip. Now that's very basic park etiquette. There is a little bit more. The park can be a lot of fun and it can be very dangerous. So I suggest only go in there if you know what you're doing and it, you know if you have a reason to be there. Because some, sometimes people, they go into the park just to ski it, just to do whatever, just to get around the mountain. There are alternative runs that will get to the exact same place. Now, if you want to go to the park to hit some jumps, hit some rails, and then be on your way, that's fine. Or if you want to go to the park to practice tricks, that's fine. Don't just ski through there hitting nothing, going all over the place and making it a hard time for everyone. Now, yeah, like I said, basic park etiquette. There will be park rats out there who will have a lot more rules, but that's basic stuff. That should get you around. And if you're really serious about going in the park all the time, take what I just told you and you'll learn new stuff and then you'll be fine. If you have any questions or comments or concerns on the episode so far, be sure to reach out to me at on Instagram at OK underscore shred. Anyway, on to the episode. So uh, now that we've got most of the, uh, you know, kind of basic um, safety, you know, recommendations. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, now that we've got most of those out of the way, we're going to be going for stuff that is um, more serious, but um, or stuff that you know better and more serious skiers will be considering. However, you know, like beginners, it's good for them to know these rules, and 
you know, experienced skiers should know these rules, and I'm just going to drive it home. But and these are just important rules to know. Is what I'm trying to say, guys. I'm really sorry if I'm all over the place today. I don't exactly have a- any notes laid out. It was just too much time, so I'm I'm kind of winging it right now. You'll have to forgive me. But anyway, the main thing here is ski with a buddy, especially in the trees. But generally, when you're just skiing all over the mountain, it's good to ski with a buddy. However, when you're not skiing trees. Eh, I won't recommend it, but you could get away with it if you really wanted to. However, if you're doing any, you know, jumps on the hill, obviously if it's a simple jump and you know you can do it, you don't need to have a buddy with you. It is still a good idea because you can get hurt on any jump of any size. Now, if you're going to hit something that's big, sure, you might have even hit it before, but it's it's still a big jump or gap. Now, of course, depending on how good you are, stuff that was once big is not as big but if you're hitting anything pretty gnarly you should definitely have a buddy with you and also for jumps for more like big stuff especially cliffs check the landing first Uh, i've seen lots of people just be so eager to hit a cliff they go off of it and oh look it's a flat landing that's actually just a sheet of ice and boom crunch there goes your ankles so check the landings first, you know, scope out your line up to it, up to, you know, say cliff or even there's a big jump, you know, scope out what's going on there, see what everything looks like, you know, make sure you have the right speed because obviously you don't want to be going too slow and not land properly. And also make sure it's feasible. If you have to be tucking and going, you know, 120 kilometers an hour to clear something, you know, maybe not. And I understand you're like, oh, what about Chad's gap? You know, you have to go in pretty fast for that. No regular mountain has a Chad's gap. And also, you're not hitting Chad's gap. And if you have, you know, good for you. I don't think anyone listening here um, has. But if you have, you know, good for you. The average person isn't hitting Chad's gap. And the average person isn't even hitting Corbett's, even though it's on a mountain. But Corbett's corridor. It's in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I believe. Yes. Uh, it is very gnarly. That's for sure. Definitely don't hit that or anything like that. Um, unless, you know, you're very good and you've hit similar stuff before. But yeah, hit these things with a buddy. Scope these, scope the lines out. Scope the landings out just to make sure you're safe. Now... This is kind of where we bridge into um, the situation where the fellow at my ski hill died. I never knew him personally, by the way, but it still breaks my heart that someone was just out there trying to have a good time and was out on the place that I ski at all the time and met such a horrible end. Anyway, uh, they were skiing out of bounds. Now, at lots of mountains, they don't let you go out of bounds. But at my hill, it says ski at your own risk. There's no ski patrol who regular patrol the area. And there's no avalanche patrol. So at my ski hill, at the section called the cliff, there are avalanche uh, risk. Avalanche risks do build up. And they use dynamite to, uh, you know, cause an avalanche to blow it apart. That way nobody gets hurt. But when you ski outside the ski bounds, 
they don't do that they don't ski patrol it and if you do get hurt when it says at your own risk that means if you get hurt you know i mean generally like say you just wrap yourself around a tree and you're kind of hurt they're not going to come and get you out of there it it does depend but you know for light to heaviest kind of injuries they're not going to come and get you now this fellow <clears throat> who passed away he went missing so they were looking for him to try to help him in that type of situation you know where it's desperate where someone's life is on the line they will go looking but if you just hurt your wrist or your or your ankle or something like that you were skiing out of bounds you knew the risk and or if you didn't you shouldn't have gone out of bounds when you're skiing in the trees especially ski with a buddy as well often in out of bounds areas you are skiing in the trees even if you're skiing in the trees in areas that are inbounds, very important to ski with a buddy because there are these things called tree wells. And what a tree well is, is around the base of the tree, you know, the bottom part of the trunk, not that much snow builds up. So this little kind of concave divot appears in the snow. Now, what happens if you fall in one of these is snow from the top will start to pile up and you won't be able to move and you'll suffocate and you'll die. And this is a very big risk, and pe lots of people have died falling into tree wells. And you're like, what? No, come on. It's just snow. It's, it's absolutely horrible. Lots of times you go in head first, or you just go into a super awkward position, and you're not able to move, and snow gets on top of you, and you... Uh, suffocate and die my one good friend last year the, he was skiing you know just minding his own business and these two little girls were skiing and one fell into a tree well her the one little girl you know she was crying and screaming and so my friend just skied over to see what's going on and he saw these two feet sticking out of the snow in a tree well so he starts digging her out he waves some other snowboarders over and guys it's also a thing uh, in that situation I don't know anyone who's immature enough to keep, you know, this snowboard versus skier kind of rivalry, but put rivalries aside when it comes to someone's life. I, I don't think anyone would be that immature, but I also, you know, if you spend enough time on social media, you'll figure out there probably are people that immature. Anyway, my friend, he waved over some snowboards. They were digging her out. By the time they pulled her out, her face was purple. She was gasping for air. It was horrible. That little girl could have died. She was safe. She made a full recovery. But lots of people uh, aren't that lucky. So when, you, when you're skiing in the trees, you're skiing with a buddy. Definitely ski with more than just one friend. Ski with a, like with a few when it comes to the trees. Although, if you're skiing with just one buddy, that, you know, that's okay. I would recommend more. But you're, it, you're a lot more safer when you ski with at least one other friend. So yeah, ski with a buddy. That can save you, help you out a lot. Now, when you're skiing out of bounds, this is this is the important thing. We're going out of bounds. I have skied out of bounds before, and at the time there was some decent snow in there. That's why I did it. But actually, after this event at my ski hill, I'm considering not doing that as much as I did before. Now, do an analysis of the terrain you're going to be skiing when you are out of bounds. You look at it and say, "All right." Say, say you look at it, all right, there's lots of trees there, and there is deeper snow because not a lot of people ski there. This means that, you know, the risks of a tree well are 
um, enhanced and brought to light a lot more and things will happen a lot faster. So I'll ski with a friend, you know, but even just one friend could be kind of dangerous. I'll ski with multiple friends. All right. That now, obviously I don't recommend going out of boundaries, but if you do, these are the things you should do. So ski with multiple friends. Now, when you're doing your analysis, say, all right, here, here's, you know, this part of the mountain and, you know, say, oh, there's, there's a ridge or there's a cliff. All right. I know that when I go super far out to the right, there is a cliff or, you know, a very steep ridge there. That means I know to stay decently left. Um, so knowing the terrain can help you out a lot. And hopefully after you do know the terrain, you'll be able to ski safely. But on the off chance that stuff does go wrong, I, if I knew I was skiing stuff like that, I brought a backpack with me. Now, not with a lot of stuff. I haven't skied out of bounds actually at all this season, but last season when I did, I had a backpack. It had a knife, uh, just a simple pocket knife in it, you know, just to keep safe. I had a multi-tool in there for mainly for adjusting bindings and doing other things. But, you know, it definitely, when I went out of bounds, I was definitely glad, you know, I had just in case anything happened. So I had a pocket knife, I had a multi-tool. I threw in some flint and steel in there as well. I wasn't hoping that something bad would happen and I would have to spend a lot of time out there. But if something did happen, I was prepared. Now, I wasn't crazily prepared because I wasn't, I was, you know, taking preventative measures to make sure stuff didn't happen. So I didn't bring any blankets. I did have food, but I didn't bring food because of that. I just, we didn't stop for lunch. We were having such a good day. So I had food in there, which, you know, would help because if something did go wrong, I did have to spend some time out there. Having food with you, you know, will warm you up. Now, also, like I said, pay attention to the weather. If you're skiing and it's like, you know, super cold, minus 25, and it's it's just a horrible day. And if you were to get stuck or lost out there, if you're if you see, oh, it's minus 30 now, it's going to get a lot colder at night. I don't think I'll be able to survive this. On the off chance something does happen, I would probably not survive the night. So I'm not going to go there at all. Take Doing that kind of analysis, looking at, at things like that, will definitely lower risk a lot more. Of course, not even going there will take out all the risk. But if you are going to go there, definitely look at things to help lower the risk. Now, if you say, hey, it's a beautiful sunny day, great. I, you know, going, going to go there is great visibility. But if you want to go out of bounds and, oh, wow, it's foggy, it's snowing, it's blizzarding, actually, and you go in there, it's going to be very hard to get yourself out because you can't see. And if something does go wrong, it's going to be very hard for some, someone to find you. So taking these preventative measures, you know, bring the right stuff with you will definitely lower the risk a lot. Now, also, if you're skiing somewhere that's not in the trees, say it's out of bounds and it's just this open face, definitely look and say, okay, even if you don't have avalanche training, which if you were to do that, I would recommend you get, there's this one area on my ski hill I want to hike, but I know there can be avalanches there. And I do not have avalanche training, so I'm not going to hike that to ski it. I'm definitely going to uh, get some avalanche training before I do stuff like that. Avalanche training 
is not just what to do if there is an avalanche. It's being able to look at a piece of terrain and say, all right, that's what the snow is doing. This is what the snow is like today. If I, if I ski that, there will be an avalanche. Or if you're like, all right, the snow is pretty decent. You know, it looks good. There might be an avalanche, but with having that training, you know what to do, what to avoid. And also, if you're skiing in a high avalanche risk area, there's a lot more things you need to bring. Uh, there's these things in a backpack that you pull this cord and it blows up and you kind of float on top of the snow. There's also an avalanche beacon. So it, this will make a loud sound. It will also give a GPS ping. And it... Um, will alert search and rescue to your location. Now, obviously, if search and rescue have to come, it's going to be very expensive, so don't put yourself in that situation. But if you're skiing somewhere where you know there could be an avalanche, you definitely have avalanche training before you go there. Then do all your kinds of analysis, look at the weather, and bring the proper gear. There's a lot more gear you need to bring in an avalanche-risked area, so definitely make sure you have it. Don't even miss a single bit. Now, also, another thing that could kind of help is wear bright, you know, clothes. I get not everyone has, you know, a full uh, wardrobe of ski gear. But, you know, it might be a better idea to have some brighter ski gear. Now, I don't have the world's brightest ski, ski gear. I have camouflage pants and a black and gray jacket. But I'm able to assess risks and look at where I'm skiing. And if I see something's too risky, then I don't go there at all. Looking at risks and just the terrain and understanding what could happen is very helpful. And I really can't stress this enough. I know I'm repeating it a lot, but it's very important. And if you don't know some of the risks that could happen, if you don't understand what the terrain, what that means, then just don't go there. I wouldn't recommend going out of bounds anyway. But if you're seriously just expecting this to be an average run on your hill, it's not. Just because the hill has everything carved out, the resort has everything carved out all nice, the runs are perfect, they didn't do any work anywhere else. And you might be like, well, yeah. But seriously, it is a completely different world out of bounds. And it is not something to be taken lightly. And you might be like, dude, you're no fun, honestly. Like like a, a, literally a week ago, someone died. And it's not that's not a rare case lots of people um die when they go out of bounds and it's a very horrible thing and you might say that's not me that won't be me until it is so it's very important you understand the risks and just at the end of the day guys be safe be smart don't you know charge charge everything head first you know sit back take a look you know put some thoughts together and then figure out what you're going to do next Anyway, guys, that's been this episode here. I hope these tips made sense. If you have any questions about them, please reach out to me on Instagram at OK underscore shred. DM me there. I will be happy to talk about anything I may have missed um, or just you know further explain what some of these tips mean. So just as a, a recap for everything, look where you're going. Ski with a buddy. Dress appropriately, look at the weather, assess the terrain, and assess your uh, jumps and your landings if you're going to do them. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. God bless.